Welcome to More Than a Budget, a podcast presented by Relational Media. Co-founders Jeff Fine Thomas, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and John Mitchell, a certified financial planner, combine the fields of psychology and personal finance to help couples improve their relationships and discover what is more important than money. Hi, I'm Jeff. And I'm John. And today we're going to be talking about solving the problems that money can't solve. Um, if you've been listening to our podcast, you've probably heard me um, share my favorite money quote. Um, there's a lot of great quotes about money and wisdom, and the one that has probably shaped more of my ideas than any is one that comes from um, John Paul Getty, who was a wealthy oil baron. Uh, he was born in Minnesota, made his money in uh, the Anadarko Basin in Oklahoma, and eventually moved out west to California. Um, late in life, became philanthropic and built the Getty Museum, yeah, um, which is pretty popular yeah. and pretty cool to go visit. But his quote is this, and that is that money creates problems that more money can't solve. He had a very difficult relationship with all of his kids and extended family, um, would try to give them money to solve their problems, uh, and found they just came back asking for more money. So they were not great at getting along, um, and it became a point of tension for his whole life. Um, and in fact, uh, my understanding is is that he passed away um, without very many relationships inside of his family. Yikes! So it was it's kind of a a warning. Sad. Um, but if we think of the fact that there are problems that money can't solve whether money has been involved before that or not, that's really a fundamental idea for so many of us because the way that we solve so many problems is we think, well, what can I buy? What, how can I write a check? Um, what do we need to do? What, what could money do to make this problem go away? Mm-hmm. But not everything is a trip to the grocery store um, or having the plumber come out and do their thing. Yeah. I know just before we started this episode, you looked up how much he was worth at the time of his death. Yeah, so uh, $6 billion, $6 billion was his net worth at the time of his death, which translates to about, oh, a mere $23 billion now. <laughs> a mere 23 So if you have $23 billion and you say that there's problems that money can't solve... Um, you probably are stating that from a position of experience. Yes, and and of wisdom, although it sounds like he struggled with wisdom in his relationships. Right. Yeah. This is a really tough situation. I think we should take it seriously, what he's saying. I think lots of people imagine that if you add money to your life that you're going to make yourself happier, but the truth is that um, money only goes so far in helping us uh, with you know, making our life better. And at some point, even if you're worth $6 billion or $23 billion, um, it's not solving the problems that you have. So, you know, I, I was really fascinated by reading um, an article in the Harvard Gazette um, on the Harvard Adult Development Study, which is a very long study of Harvard graduates way back in the day. I think it's about 80 years long, that study. Oh, yes. That's how I spend my Saturday mornings. <laughs> I don't know how I saw this. It was a, it was a news article that had quoted the Harvard Gazette. Um, and I think they 
publish information about this study every so often, perhaps once a year. And it always gets some traction in the media because it's such an interesting study. I know I'm a little geeky, but I wanted to talk about a few of the important things that were quoted from this particular article that I read. And one of them is just a very simple idea, which is that close relationships, much more than money, um, are what keep people happy throughout their lives. And, and, you know, that seems maybe in one way, like obvious, like, why do we have to study that? But in another way, maybe not. You know, I think we do have this wish that there's going to be dollars in our life that makes us happy. But the truth is, our relationships with the people who are important to us are really much more responsible for that. You know, the idea of more is so prevalent in our culture. You know, if I just had, you know, a few more dollars to do this extra thing that I saw this person doing on Instagram, if I just had more sleep, if I just had more exercise, if I just had, you know, more time to meditate, if I just had more, and and we get stuck in this idea, you know, that we don't normally say if I just had more people in my life that cared about me or that I uh-huh. cared about. Isn't that weird? That would be awesome if that's what we were all walking around doing. I wish I wish I could find more people that I could more pour people. into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out from this study that things like uh, mental and physical decline are are mediated. They're sort of prevented by the quality of close relationships that we have. And that's really unintuitive as well. What is what is the fact that we have close relationships have to do with whether or not we're healthy, physically healthy, or mentally healthy? But the truth is, our, we're social creatures. And we need connection and closeness and intimacy throughout our lives um, because when bad things happen in your life, you want to be able to talk to someone about it. You want to have new ideas. You want to help them um, with problem solving and have them help you with problem solving and so on. I'm going to totally go off script here because I just had a thought and therefore everybody has to hear it. Um, <laughs> okay. I was thinking about, because I was reading a dumb article this weekend on um, the different diets of the world that seem to add longevity. Yeah. And I'm just thinking as you're talking is you've got the Mediterranean diet and I'm thinking, you know, what's interesting is those are places where they have big families. Yeah. They have big gatherings. Uh-huh. They value relationship. Sure. It'd be really fascinating to see if the places where we typically think that it's their diet that makes them live longer, what if it was their culture and how they view their relationships? And that's part of the overlap. Yeah. I I don't know whether this study um, says much about that, but that's obviously a thoughtful um, inference to make. It, it, It certainly is that our family relationships or, you know, our chosen family relationships um, are the things that help us to solve the problems of life every day. We get the support and encouragement we need from the people that are close to us. Mm-hmm. So when something bad happens, we're, we go to the people who love us and who we love in order to help solve the problems we're in. I see this in my practice because I'm, theoretically, I'm in the practice of helping people get retired, right? Yep. You know, people, Hey, how can I retire early? I don't want to work any longer than I have to. That's, that's kind of a cultural value that we have. I'm, I tend to find myself wanting to push back against that because I see 
just in my practice, a common thread, which is that somebody leaves a job that they've been building for 20 or 30 years, whether they are totally in love with every aspect of it or not. But they leave that job and they come home and they go through a massive culture shock. They go through um, a massive life rebuild where they knew what they were going to be doing and why they were going to be doing it Monday through Friday mm-hmm. from 7 a.m. till 5.30 sure. when they got home. And now they have that amount of time every day, five days a week, that they don't have allocated. Which they probably had a fantasy or wish that it would be awesome. They'd be on perpetual vacation. Mm-hmm. But we all know that's not what happens. Right, right. And so, you know, one of the things that I've kind of learned to have a hard discussion with people about is, is make sure that you're retiring to something and not from something. Mm -hmm. In other words, make sure you're not just leaving without knowing where you're going. Yeah. Make sure you have a plan on what it is that you want your future to be. And, and I think what you're gleaning from, from this article is the idea that make sure there's people involved in it. Oh, for sure. I'm glad you said that because in my field, I have this sort of rough sense that I want to kind of pay attention to three areas of a person's life. One is love, one is work, and one is play. And you're talking about the work one. You know, when people go to work, they're in a situation where they're um, persistently attempting to create mastery. They're accomplishing something. So when that goes away because of retirement or, or, or illness or whatever, obviously there's a big gap there. And the thing that's occurring is that they're, mastering something in the context of relationships. Mm -hmm. They have a peer group that has is functioning at a high level and they're, they're working together to solve whatever the works problems are. So when that part of their life goes away to your point, it's really important to know what you're going to be heading into. And, you know, I think that speaks to the other two areas The you know, the love area of this, Uh, idea is sort of our romantic relationships, right? Like how connected are we going to be? Um, This, this is a source of encouragement and support and connection that helps us in all sorts of ways on everyday kind of practical things. How are we going to get the laundry done? Who's going to go get gas for the car and that sort of thing, but also much more important philosophical things. What is the meaning of our life? What is the purpose we're working toward? You know, this is the team that we're, on the same page with, hopefully, and working towards some common goals because we have common values. I see so many people that post-retirement go into depression. Yeah. And they're like, I don't have a place in society anymore. Yeah. Nobody cares what I think. Um, nobody wants my advice. And I think maybe what they're really saying is, is I have lost my position in relationship. Yes. For sure. I've lost a sense of being able to feel accomplished with my team. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, if we were to give some advice maybe to younger couples, I mean, here we are talking about, you know, old people. Yeah. But this is really important in young people too, because I think we become so busy trying to get things done and trying to accomplish and build that we miss out um, on on the idea of doing this all in community and the idea of building friendships, having people in our homes, being hospitable, um, you know, 
for the guy to have some guy friends, for the wife to have some girlfriends, you know, for them to get together and enjoy life together. Mm, sure. We kind of think, well, that would be great, but we don't have time for that. This would be a fundamental question of, then why are we doing it? Yeah, what's most important, really? Right. I know, I remember when my kids were small, we, we had this same kind of experience. Like, you, you just have so much work to do. You can't really, you feel like you can't get it all done. At least I did. And so work became, you know, getting the tasks of the house done became sometimes more important than hanging out with the kids. And I hated it. I just wanted to hang out. You know, I wanted to not be struck by the reality that the laundry had to get done and, you know, somebody, somebody needed to make dinner and all of that. And so I think it's an important balance for all families, especially with young children, to try to figure out how to create the space in your family that allows you to have quality time with your family, with your spouse and your kids and so on. And with the community and creating a community around you. Absolutely. Um, We can become so nuclear in the way that we do things that, you know, the only source of connection that we have outside of our kids is our job. This makes this even worse when we start talking about going through a job change or, um, you know, going into retirement is this idea that we had not fostered relationships outside of that soul environment. Right. And so now when we sever ourselves from that environment, we really are on our own. How many couples have you talked to that were like, well, now that the kids have moved out, we just stared each other. Yeah. And you know, there's a certain percentage of people who get to that spot and uh, you know, the the marriage fails because they don't know what to do with empty nest. And I want to go back to our original quote. And that is that, these building relationships can't be built with money. Yeah, that's right. This is not, you cannot buy a real, contrary to popular belief, you cannot buy yeah. a relationship with money. Right. And you have to buy it with other resources. You have to buy it with time and commitment and, you know, all of these other things that we have that we have to make space for um, to include somebody and for us to be included in someone else's life. So let's talk about a few of those before we finish. You know, I think if you're if you're trying to figure out um, what it is that you can do to start building the connections in your life with your romantic partner or, like John says, in a community, um, there are a few things that I, I'd like you to consider. You know, problem solving and conflict management is a really important set of skills to have, especially in a romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. If you don't, have them. Um, good luck. It's time to develop. It's time. To, it's time to work on it. To be intentional. Um, you know, the internet is filled with all kinds of interesting mm-hmm. um, things you can go look up to right. try and help you build these skills. So I'm gonna let you do that. Um, I think also being grateful. We've talked about this before several times. Being grateful is very important. It might seem small, but say thank you when your partner brings you a glass of water, or you know, does something nice for you. It just does something routine for you. Be thankful. It's it's a kind of glue in your relationship. And similarly, I think it's really, really important to be expressing how you feel. This might sound see, sound so fundamental. Like everyone knows that it's important to tell your partner and your friends and your community how you're feeling. But the truth is lots of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. So start practicing learning what your feelings are and figuring out what it is that you need to do to say them so that somebody else can um, have the 
experience of knowing what's really going on inside you. And they can have an interaction of taking care of you and being with you and hearing you and, and seeing knowing, you. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that you've got to know at some level that everybody else has similar feelings. Yeah. Or at least their own feelings. It's We all have this in common because we're all human. Correct. Yeah. I think offering support and encouragement to not only your partner and your children, if you have them, but also your friends and your broader community. And also, you know, I think the, the idea here is that that would function in a reciprocal way that as you're supporting and encouraging the people around you, they're paying attention to what kind of support and encouragement you need. And it's going in both directions. Spending time Creating shared experience, especially in marriage, is so important. Of course, it's important with the kids, too. Like, we'd take a family vacation once a year, and it's just like a treasured time to be able to spend a week with the kids. My kids are now uh, grown, so I don't see them every day. And it's just an incredible thing to be able to share a week of time with them and, you know, just love on them and Mm -hmm. hear about what's going on. Of course, if you've had kids at home for a while and they're not going anywhere you would probably totally treasure a week without them. Yeah, and that's necessary sometimes <laughs> as well. You know, sometimes you need to go on a on a couple's uh, retreat and be yes. away from the kids, which is uh, really important. You have to take care of your marriage. Yes. You know, I think one of the things that um, helps a lot of couples is beginning to identify and then in an ongoing way continue to identify the common wishes and dreams that you each have. Both, you know, we're talking about common values or shared values. So we want to be able to have those conversations. Like what what are we heading toward and what's meaningful to us? But also, you know, um, I, I do things that my wife doesn't necessarily want to do and vice versa. And we need to be able to share those things in our relationship as well. So pay attention to what you're dreaming. And then I think, you know, it's the last thing I'll say is all of this is, intended to try to foster closeness in the family. But I want you to be intentional about how you're going to do that. Every member of the family has a different way of feeling or experiencing being loved. Find how they experience being loved. Give that to them, not the thing that seems natural to you to give, but the thing that they need. How are you going to identify that and figure out how to make closeness in order to, you know, in order to preserve these relationships and make them meaningful. And just to be the the bad guy in the room, um, having everybody in the same room on their phones is not family closeness. Yes. I think, you know, so many of us, you know, we're tired at the end of the day and it's just the easiest thing in the world to turn our brain off and pick up our phone, um, you know, and, and burn off 45 minutes or an hour and miss the opportunity to connect. Um, Connecting with family, having family closeness, as you're talking about, is one of the ways that we kind of renew and rejuvenate. And one of the things that I've discovered over time, this is just my own personal plug here, is is that when I'm on the phone by myself looking at reels or watching videos or wasting time, I do not feel rejuvenated yeah. at the end of that time. Yeah, I do not feel closer to anybody at the end of that time. And I have basically wasted that time. I do think it's tempting, you know, to unplug. Strangely, we we use that phrase unplug when we're talking about plugging in, plugging in, right? Using something electronic. I do think it's important 
um, to recognize that there's a pull or, or temptation to go towards media, right? Electronic forms of entertainment to feel as if we can relax. But the reality is that, you know, having a conversation with someone that you love and enjoy is, as you say, going to be something you have to cultivate despite the temptation of electronics, but also going to be something that's um, creating a fulfilling experience in the moment, whereas watching the reels, not so much. I just think, you know, it's it almost sounds like a Hallmark card, right? This idea that, oh, your life will be richer if you spend it with people or if you spend it in community. But it's not just a good idea. It's not just a warm fuzzy. I mean, this Harvard study has been going on for a long time, and it is proving scientifically true that it is not the amount of money you have. It's not the amount of toys you have. It's right. not what you get to do on a weekend. It's who who are you doing it with and how close are those relationships? How durable are those relationships that have the biggest impact on a, a quality life? Yeah, I totally agree. A fulfilling life comes in the context of relationship. All right. Thanks, Jeff. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a like, comment, or review. And tell your friends. New episodes drop weekly. Learn more about Jeff and John at relational-media.com. 